You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 181 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. What a fun podcast we have planned for you today. We are going to be discussing the Mount Rushmore of Virginia Tech football players, men's basketball players, and all other sports at Virginia Tech, according to Will, Chris, and I. It is going to be a very fun podcast. We can't wait to interact with you as we discuss this very fun podcast on Tuesday, June 15th. All that and more coming up right now. Episode 181 of the Tech Sideline Podcast that gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on the following platforms, whether it is Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we're so glad you could join us as we record on Tuesday morning, June 15th. Our crew today, as always, to my left, our managing editor here at TechSideline.com, Chris Coleman. Across the way, our founder and general manager, he is Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Great to have all of you with us. A reminder, if you're watching live on YouTube, if you want to drop a question to Will or Chris, we'll get to those at the end of the podcast. But I'm pretty sure for today's episode, if you want to chime in an athlete that you think is deserving of being on the, I guess we'll call it the tech sideline, Mount Rushmore of different <laughs> topics, go ahead and drop it in the chat and we will read those as the show progresses. I'll talk about the rules and everything that goes into the tech sideline, Mount Rushmore in just a little bit. But before that, you know, if you're watching live on YouTube right now or even archive, well, there are a couple of things you can do to greatly help tech sideline click like and subscribe thank and, you very much and comment particularly on the archived version so yeah. appreciate everybody uh comment after in. this ends and it's archived on there Re- remember we are hosted by the jim nance award winner for 2021 <laughs> and I'm, I'm jack for today's podcast because i actually did research and prepared <laughs> you know chris i feel like we always have tangents in the middle of the season where we sit and look at each other and say wow we spent a little too much time on this but this would be a great summer podcast i think today's topic i agree i mean there's only so much you can talk in the summer i mean how many times do you want to talk about who's going to be the starting quarterback how many times do you want to talk about justin fuente's job status i mean at some point you have to stop and talk about other things right right uh so and I, i agree so i think the summer more stuff like yeah. this, I think, would be a good uh, break the monotony a little bit. Plus, some guests. We need to get some guests in. Uh, yeah, I, I can. I've got a couple lined yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. How about this? Caleb Fields chimes into the chat right now. Watching live from Okinawa, Japan. Just arrived here for a two month deployment with the um, USAF. 
How about that? They are so, uh, yeah. Uh, now this is interesting. that's incredible. Like, like if you're in another country watching the podcast, let us know because I think that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. You know, I've got a buddy. He's back in the states now, but his wife was stationed in England for a while, and he would watch the podcast from England. So I know we've had watchers from the UK. We now know we have watchers from uh, Japan, and I, I know there's plenty of military Hokies out there that are stationed yeah. in Germany and you know wherever. So if you're stationed in another country, let us know. Now, I, I will say this to Caleb. I, I don't know what Caleb's personal slash marital status is, but high school buddy of mine was stationed in Okinawa for a while, and he came back with a wife. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but I'll, I'll just leave that out there. <laughs> it's 10.30 p.m. right now, Caleb says. And for all of our um, those in the military serving us abroad, thank you for your service. And thank you, Caleb, at 10.30 at night in Japan, watching live. The Tech Sideline Podcast. That's pretty cool. We'll keep him awake. We'll see if we can keep him awake till uh, midnight in right. Japan. <laughs> we, we probably will. Maybe he'll listen to half the podcast in the morning. But <laughs> right. uh, anyways, great show planned for today. We're really excited to talk about the, the Mount Rushmore of Virginia Tech Athletics. We're going to go through individual football athletes on a separate Mount Rushmore, then men's basketball athletes on one Mount Rushmore, and then all other sports and on one Mount Rushmore. We're not doing coaches. This is players only. Correct. Right. No coaches. I'll explain the rules in a little bit. But uh, And it's only college. It's only based on your collegiate record stats. No professional um, right. stats included uh, right. or draft uh, picks. That, uh, and maybe, maybe one day we could do like a football coach administration thing because there's one guy in particular that I don't think anybody watching this podcast has ever heard of that I think would probably be number one on the list if we did a coach administration thing as far as their impact on Virginia Tech athletics. So then maybe that could be a different topic for The good day. news is it's June 15th, and we still have like two months before <laughs> we really get going into a uh, you know, our two podcasts a week, previewing and getting ready for the upcoming game, which will be here before we know it. A reminder, Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. You can go to southeastrtc.com to get involved with one of the best wrestling programs in the entire country, led by our friend, Coach Tony Roby. Southeast Regional Training Center, helping Virginia Tech Wrestling be the best. Southeastrtc.com is the website. But before we get into the Mount Rushmore, I do want to start off the podcast with some great news That'll make not just Hokie fans excited, but I think sports fans excited in general. It was announced earlier this week, Monday, June 14th, Lane Stadium, 100% capacity in the fall. Yep. How exciting is that, Chris? Well, you know, I I knew it was going to be that way. Like, the reason Virginia Tech waited longer than, like, UVA is because, you know, hotels are limited in this area, and Tech was afraid that as soon as they made the announcement, all the hotels would fill up just like that. And so they wanted to give all the players' parents time to book hotels for all the game, and that's that's why they delayed a couple weeks after UVA made their announcement. But, uh, yeah, I always assumed it would be 100%. But, but yeah, it'll be something – that first game against UNC – uh, be <laughs> yeah, yeah. That first game at UNC against UNC starts at six p.m. And I, I put I put when sunset is sundown. Yeah, so halftime. So so it won't be dark Se- when the game starts. Second half under the lights. But but you will have all day to uh, tailgate. But be careful. It's early September. We've had some blistering hot games in early early September. So be sure to hydrate. This is exciting though because you know it's been a challenging year and a half for. You know, all of us in different ways, some people more than others. But, you know, you think back to last May, right? And you think, gosh, how much longer is this going to go on? Is this going to affect the college football season? And, 
you know, little did we know that there wouldn't be fans in the stands for around the country. And, and here we are. It just feels like it's, it's been last summer was so like normally like summers in this job. Yeah. We work, but like you're mentally relaxed a little bit in the summer. You take a mental break last, last summer was not that way at all because you're just worried whether there's going to be a football season or not. And if there's not, what the heck are we going to write about? What are we going to do? So it's like, it was last summer was very very stressful mentally, and then the season starts. Uh, so it's like, like like this is our first mental break in two years. Yeah, I put, I put on Twitter the other day that uh, I started going through my DVR and I pulled up the NC State game from I think it was played on September twenty sixth. That was Tech's first game. Now Tech was supposed to play before then. Oh, we had two right. had two games. Yeah, um, remember NC State was they were supposed to open up against UVA, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that got pushed back. And then no, no, no. First they were going to open against NC State, and that got canceled and, due and to NC UVA State's was, COVID. Yeah. And then it was UVA, and that got canceled because Tech's COVID issues. Yeah. So so um, but but I was watching that game, and and you know Tech played a great game that night, but it just I couldn't watch more than about a course tech led 17 nothing in the yeah. first quarter so I saw most of the good stuff but I just I just couldn't watch it it was it was too quiet nobody in the stands and I'm so glad that's behind us it was a glorified scrimmage now I will admit that there's still a part of me that won't believe it until we actually see it um and part of that is not not to not to venture into territory we won't we don't want to go but there's still talk out there of variants and not enough people getting vaccinated and things like that. And I just, I just don't trust until it actually happens. Sorry, but I, I can't, I can't be like, yeah, and, and totally commit yet. Although I will say this, we were at the beach uh, last week or the week before, and I did get a new cooler. So I'm very psyched for tailgating season. There well, you go. capacity, no capacity. I'm tailgating on September 3rd. <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, they can't, they're yeah. not going to stop me from doing that. I tell you what, I'm just, <laughs> I, someone asked me the other day what my favorite Enter Sandman moment is, and I told that person, I said, listen, I think one of my favorite ones was actually baseball of this past year when mm-hmm. they started letting a 1,000 fans in in yeah. the North Carolina series. And the reason I say that is because it was packed, people were jumping, and I was like, oh, my goodness. If there's 100% capacity for North Carolina on September 3rd, and you could just feel, I, I said it on the, I said it felt like Hokie Nation was bottled up for 365 days, and for those thousand fans in the part at English Field, early March, yeah. it all came out. So I just think that is going to be, you know, the people that might not jump for Enter Sandman, they're they're going to jump for that one. So if somebody asks you what's your favorite Enter Sandman, and your answer is it hasn't happened yet. I think well, <laughs> it's going to happen in September. I think it's going to be, and, and keep in mind too. Yes, North Carolina's a big opponent. It's nas- national television, yeah. but even if it was, you know, a Delaware, I still think that first Sandman back after everything, you know, not being in the stands last year would, would be a memorable. Are we doing so. the Mount Rushmore of inner Sandman moments? <laughs> there you go. We're teasing that for a future <laughs> podcast to come. A couple other notes I do want to touch on real quick. Um, Coach Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech football continue to add alums to their staff, and uh, a former great safety, Kaishan Jarrett, uh, has been added to the staff for Virginia Tech. Chris is a great article up on TechSideline.com right now, and you bring up a great point, Chris. 2016, the Virginia Tech graduates were full-time employees. There were three in 2016, that would have been Justin Fuente's first season, they correct? they were all strength and conditioning coaches. It was Jarrett Ferguson, Ryan Schumann, and Nick Ars- uh, Acree. Now, 
You've got Justin Hamilton, J.C. Price, Jack Tyler, Ryan Sherman, Pearson Prelu, Jerron, Winslow, Kaishan Jarrett, who's, by the way, the assistant director of player personnel, and then Mark Detorn. Is Dithorn. it Dithorn? Dithorn? I think it's pronounced Dithorn. So my apologies there if I'm at, but that's nine now uh, in full-time roles. With, right. And it right. started with and, Hamilton, a defensive and it's coordinator. Like eight of them are like full time, or is it seven of them? It's or, eight. I apologize. That's it's, bad it's, math. it's eight, and seven of them are former players. So, yeah, so, so there, there's a, I, th- I think there's a, a cynical reaction of, oh, he's just kind of packing this. I think one of the things Justin Fuentes probably learned is that there are some unique things about the Virginia Tech culture. And in order to properly sell Virginia Tech to recruits, you have to have people on staff that understand the history and the culture. <laughs> in order to properly sell the program to your own fan base, you have to apparently have (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah uh i mean i think it's a little bit of both like i'm an advocate of hiring virginia tech graduates and alums and football alums and things like that you know if they're fully qualified qualified like i don't want to go out there and just hire this guy oh because he went to virginia tech like like you know you see some people throwing out suggestions like oh michael vick quarterbacks coach d'angelo hall cornerbacks coach like these people have never coached at any level before. Michael's right? also making uh, a good amount of money. I yeah, think, for Fox Sports yeah, right making now. a pretty good chunk of change working for Fox. And and you so, uh, like I'm a 100 percent advocate. You know, if they're qualified coaches and they're qualified for their jobs, and and you know, I think all these guys on staff right now are fully qualified for the positions that they hold. Um, the Kaishan Jarrett hire is makes perfect sense. I mean, he was basically uh, player personnel, quality control with uh with the with the Redskins. Mm-hmm. a couple of years ago so you know if he's qualified for that at the nfl level he's certainly qualified for that at the at the acc level so uh yeah the hire makes complete sense i had heard that that fuller Corey fuller was leaving to go to the nfl but i didn't know how he was going to be replaced or how quickly he would be replaced um but once it got announced it it made complete sense I also announced uh, Leah Joseph, uh, Virginia Tech's director of on-campus recruiting. Her dad, uh, Bernard Joseph, played football at Tech, was Bruce Smith's roommate. Right, so she's technically not a Hokie. Forget where she went to school. She, she went to Georgia Southern to play Georgia volleyball. Southern. Play volleyball, right. Technically not a Hokie, but, you know, from a, from a that's not the diploma on her wall, but, you know, it's in her blood, obviously. It's family, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you definitely see a uh, a heavy Virginia Tech tilt on the coaching staff right right now. Um, and I think that's for two reasons. I do think it's because all those people are fully qualified for their jobs, and I, th- I think they're all good hires. Um, but I also think it's, okay, well, let's throw the former players who were complaining about not being involved not, in the program. Not, not being well, let's, connected let, to Let's the throw them a bone. Let's throw the fans a bone who want more tech fans uh or tech people on the staff now remember tech fans if you know if you want justin fuente fired which some people do then that also means all eight or nine of those people that we just named get fired most likely right all those virginia tech alums all those you know jack tyler justin hamilton jc price everybody we just named right right so uh yeah remember that real quick kaishan jarrett i know my you know I don't have a ton of years of tech football, but biggest hit, hardest hit I've ever seen in person, without a question. I don't remember, I don't remember who it was against, but I remember it was the Pittsburgh about, yeah, about yeah. the twenty yard line and Kaishan Jarrett. It was a legal hit too, yeah, um, and he just blew up. They called it an incomplete pass, by the way. It should have been a fumble, right? Uh, but just blew that guy up on the sideline, and uh, I always remember Kaishan Jarrett for that. So he's now part of the staff again. That's now eight full time 
former players. And he'd still be playing in the NFL right now, most likely, if he right. hadn't been injured. He started yeah. on like six games he as did a rookie. For the Washington football team. Right? The football so, team. Um, anyways, that's the other piece of news going on with Virginia Tech. Another piece of news that we'll, uh, I want to touch on real quick, and we could spend a long time on this. I know that sports talk radio shows have been doing around the country. But uh, the college football playoff, chance that it expands to 12 teams for the 2023 college football season. Currently, it's at four teams right now. Of course, we went from the BCS model, college football playoffs starting in 2014 with the semifinal, the championship, and now potential for 12 games and, excuse me, 12 teams. And, Will, what I find really interesting about this is, let's say you're playing in that first round of the playoff. If you're playing in a conference championship, if they don't alter the schedule, there's a chance you might have to play was it 17, 17 is games? that what it calculates out to. So what were your initial reactions when you heard it, A, and B, what do you think it means for Virginia Tech if they indeed do go to a 12-team model? I don't think it means a lot for Virginia Tech. That That's kind of hard to think about when you consider where the program is right now. Virginia Tech's a 500 football team right now, so you know, the CFP is not even in the conversation at this point. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. Right. That's what you want to work towards. Mm-hmm. And certainly um, – if, if if the program improves and, and can aspire to those sorts of things, then 12 is better than four because it's really hard to make that four. Yeah. Um, and, and I read the article that laid out all the arguments for going to 12 as opposed to doing a half measure of eight or, or something like that. Um, and it was – it was fairly convincing. On-campus uh, playoff games would be cool to watch, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Can you imagine actually Virginia Tech hosting a playoff game and you've got one week to get your tickets and everything like that, wow. the build-up to that game? Yeah. Um, I don't know. They, they, they give a lot of lip service to the welfare of the student-athlete, and that that's a lot of games. Like I was looking uh, at, the, at the Virginia Tech's 2001 season where they played 11 regular season games and then a bowl game. Yeah. 12 games, you're done. Yep. 17 games is five more games in that. That's now, more That's more than an NFL team plays that if you don't make the – Well, actually, it. wait. No, this NFL year will be 17. Really? Will it really? Stupid. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are, they, are they going to – not to go down this path, but are they going to have two bye weeks in the, in the NFL? No, just one. They're, they're still yeah. sticking with I know one. the schedule's unbalanced now, of course, since right. – you know, some teams will play more home games than others. No, no, I, just, I don't understand the – anyway. Yeah. So, part of me – I know this won't happen because money, but uh, part of me wondered – Will will a will a twelve team playoff generate enough money, and will will it be distributed in a way such that you can actually cut the number of regular season games back to eleven? Yeah, that won't happen. I, can I, we it, just ban the FCS games for goodness sakes? N- num- number of games is like taxes. Once they are raised, they don't get cut. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, um, that, that's that's very well said. I, I think the playoffs. You know, it has the potential to benefit Virginia Tech. 12-team 12, 12, uh, playoff has a potential to b- benefit Virginia Tech and a lot of other teams. Uh, but quite frankly, the last time Virginia Tech finished in the top 12 in either the BCS or the college football playoff rankings was 2011. Was it? And, uh, and you know, depending on the automatic bids and everything like that, Tech wasn't a conference champion that year, so I don't know if they would have gotten in that year. They could have, maybe, maybe not, but they wouldn't have gotten in as a conference champion. The last time they definitely would have got in under a 12-team format would have been 2010. Yeah. That was a long time ago, man. Uh, Baby steps. Let's just try to win the Coastal. Right. Our, our, our goal right now as a program, you know, this is Clemson and the rest. Right. That's what the ACC is right now, Clemson and the rest. And everybody else's goal is to try to be the best of the rest. And if you can reach that goal, then you can start thinking about the playoffs. 
Well, you think about this too, for Virginia Tech being in the Coastal, if you can win the Coastal, get to the ACC Championship and be at that 10-2, and two, right? I yeah, mean, and then you, you lose you get, an extra game and it knocks you out of the playoff spot. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. Which I'm not an advocate. I think conference championship games have, I mean, they, they were started up because they were a moneymaker. So, the, yes, back in 1990 when conferences were making, I'm not exaggerating, $15 million a year from their TV contracts, right. they had conference championship games which would generate, just in one game, another 6 to $8 or $10 million. Huge difference in your bottom line. It, it was a big deal. They're, they're noise level right now yeah. right. as yeah. far as money goes. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Again, college football playoff. I don't think it's is, – is it official yet? I was reading. I mean, I think I they have to a, vote a on it this week. It's a recommendation, I think. And yeah. I think they actually don't vote on it until later in the fall. There you go. I but think. That's the proposal, 12 teams, and that would start in 2023. All right, the chat is blowing up. We've got people watching <laughs> from South Dakota, Lincoln, Nebraska, and Okinawa, Japan, wherever you happen to be watching live or wherever you happen to be listening. We're glad you did so as we're recording on uh, Tuesday morning, June 15th. We're going to step aside for our break, but when we come back, the Mount Rushmore of Virginia Tech football players, the Mount Rushmore of Virginia Tech men's basketball players, and the Virginia Tech Mount Rushmore of all other sports. It's going to be a great podcast. We're excited to dive into it. We're back in just a moment as you're watching and listening to episode 181 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Welcome back into this very fun episode of the Tech Sideline Podcast, edition number 181. Evan Hughes back alongside of Chris Coleman and Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. The chat is already starting to blow up, so if you're watching live, before you comment, you can like, like and subscribe. That and if be- you're David Cunningham watching from your couch in Fox Ridge, <laughs> what are you doing, man? It's summer in Blacksburg. You should be at the Fox Ridge pool right now. Or or floating down the river. Yeah, right. And so we're going to be working you to death a month, so you need to really take your vacation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, DC gets started soon, right? (laughs) He's the new managing editor of TechSideline.com. Yeah, we're going to bring him in uh, July 6th or 7th um, and start training him on stuff. And then the ACC football kickoff is July 21st. I mean, it's it's five weeks away, five and a half weeks away. Yeah, Yeah, real quick, not to put you on the spot, Chris, but what will your new title be? I have no clue. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I, haven't, Chris I haven't, haven't spent a lot of time. It, it'll probably be something like pay content coordinator or something like that, maybe. Because uh, that's really, I mean, I'll be lead an- analysts. Lead uh, analyst. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll hey, figure it. Hand we'll, of the head. Excuse me. Hand of the head honcho. Right. Hand yeah. of the head. Hand. Oh, my. Hand. oh, my gosh. That's that's awesome. All right. Well, you guys have waited long enough for those that are watching live. We're going to dive into it. I want to explain the rules real quick of how we're going to do the Mount Rushmore. So keep in mind, we are saying the words student athletes, football athletes, men's basketball athletes, and all other athletes. So coaches are not part of this Mount Rushmore. Right. And we are going solely off of college careers. Professional careers do not matter for these tech sideline Mount Rushmore. Or in the case of one prominent athlete, things that happened after you got out of college, which didn't necessarily have anything to do with what was going on on the field. Correct. If you know what I mean. (laughs) So let's start with the Virginia Tech football Mount Rushmore. Well, first of all, let's start with the actual Mount Rushmore. That's right. (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to quiz you guys. I told you not to look it up. I didn't look it up. Who is on the actual Mount Rushmore? Yeah, I was a history major. There's four of them. It's George Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thomas Jefferson. 
Yes. Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Teddy Roosevelt. Ah, very good. Wow. So is it really? So te- yes, Teddy Roosevelt is the recurring theme when when I try to picture who to put on the Mount Rushmore. You always wind up the fourth one in the case of Virginia Tech athletics, in my opinion. The fourth one, you're stretching a little bit. Like Teddy Roosevelt, you're stretching a little bit. And I mean, we know about George Washington. He he led us in the Revolutionary War and was the first, first president. president. Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln led the the country through the Civil War and freed the slaves. Teddy Roosevelt, he was president. Uh, for a while. Yeah, well, now, he, I don't, I don't well, want to diminish his... He See, was, now, Chris is a no, history guy. Well, Teddy Roosevelt, charge of the Rough Riders in the Spanish-American War, he led that. But your uh, average person you like they don't, me. They don't know stuff like right. that. But when was Mount Rushmore built? <laughs> now Evan's going to start typing. God, but I, I, it was probably a little bit recency bias, too. I think so. It was yeah. built in uh, 1927. Okay, right. so Roosevelt had been president in the 19... 19- Aughts, I guess. It's, fairly recent. Yeah, so yeah, fairly recent. And he was uh he he was pretty popular. Um I mean he was uh I, there's a word that comes to mind that I can't really say online, but he was a for what America was at the time. I mean he was the tough guy. He was the frontiersman and he was is, also is badass the word. Yes, that's yeah. the word I was gonna use. I've yes. typed badass in articles okay. before. You can say yeah, that. Okay, on the yeah. Well that that's what that's kind of what Teddy Roosevelt was. <laughs> so Teddy Roosevelt passed away in nineteen nineteen. So that would right. have been uh, definite recent. And according bias. to the um a dot gov website, provided leadership when America experienced rapid economic growth as it entered the twentieth century Negotiating the construction of the Panama Canal, linking the East and the West. Yes, um, he did a lot. Uh, I, I read that, but you know, it, it's just not on the same level as the other three guys, in my opinion. All right. Okay, so we should well, probably move into Virginia. Tech, well, let's do that because I will say you bring up a really <laughs> great point, though, Will. In that, I think uh, for a lot of these Mount Rushmores, there are maybe there are at least two, likely three that are obvious choices uh-huh. but then it gets interesting when you get to that fourth one so let me preface by saying this by the way that will and chris i ask them even though i think they're going to have similar choices as i have mine as well i think we're going to have similar choices but they have not compared notes right so let's start with football okay these those are the mount rushmore for virginia tech football players here from us at tech sideline will the first person that goes on Mount Rushmore, I'm going to be blunt here because I think I know where you're going here. Is it Bruce Smith or is it Michael Vick? <laughs> well, I kind of teased it. If you look at the thumbnail for the uh, for the podcast, it's uh... so f- back to the original Mount Rushmore. George Washington has a place of prominence on it if you look at it. And in the thumbnail, I put Michael Vick's face over where George Washington would be. I'm not real good with Photoshop, and I was running out of time, and I probably would have added more people, and I should have grayscaled Michael, blah, blah, blah. Um, for me, you're right. It comes down to Vic or, or Bruce Smith, and it's close, but uh, I think you'd have to put Michael on the front there. Okay, so that's your first choice. Chris Coleman, who's your first choice? Uh, same. Uh, now, I, I never saw Bruce play, but for what the Vic era did for the program yeah. from a national prominence perspective. That's true. What that led to, I, that that's to me, is in the fact that he finished third in the Heisman voting. Not that Bruce had a chance to do that because he was a defensive player, yeah. so that's not his fault. Um, but I, I think for the 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 effect Vic had on the perception of the program, um, and what he did for recruiting and everything like that, then uh, I think that tipped the scales in his favor as far as number one. Okay. 
Yeah. Got Virginia Tech the national championship game. Uh, first ever Archie Griffin Award uh, winner as a college football's most valuable player. Heisman Trophy finalist. All of his stats with 3,200 passing yards in two seasons, 1,200 rushing yards. Yeah, yeah and, and you can't even look at his stats because, God, there were games back then. Like, remember the UVA game his freshman year? He went like seven of nine passing. Like, we stomped a mud hole on UVA. We're up like, right. what were we up? 31 to. I think it was 31 7. Well, the final, I think, was 31 7. 31 7. And I don't want to say it was like. 28 to 7 at halftime and we only outscored him 3 nothing in the second half cuz I don't know if we threw a pass in the second uh, half. Frank just handed the football off. Right, right, sure. right. So Vic yeah. only threw nine passes that game. So like his numbers were are not reflective of the of the, of what type of player he was in that era. Okay, I mean, can you imagine if, if, you, play, if you were running the Oregon offense or, with Well, with, I mean, if you can imagine our current offense with Right. I mean, yeah. oh, wow. any modern offense, basically. Yeah. You ever think about what life would be like if Michael Vick never came to Virginia Tech? I don't want to. And how di- well, I'm just how different, <laughs> you know, it's a, and the reason I bring that up uh, is a, because you think about the impact he had. That's why he's probably deserving of this. There's a chance none of us are sitting here. Right. right. Um, you're certainly not sitting here, Evan. And, and Chris might not be sitting here because the beginning of Hokie Central and Tech sideline coincided with all of this, um, right, and and turbocharged, and you know, for, you know, Virginia Tech Lane Stadium has you know has this reputation of for years and years and years selling out sixty six thousand people, best fan base in the country, blah blah blah. The fact of the matter is, I remember coming to the Rutgers game in nineteen ninety eight, the next to last home game, and there was like forty five thousand people. There. May may have been a little less than that, right? And uh, you know, and that was in a what a fifty four thousand seat stadium at the time pre expansion, yeah. Um, you know, the, fill, filling up with 65,000, 66,000 people didn't start happening until the Vic, until after Vic. Well, yeah, the, the, the sellout streak that ran from 1998 to 2012 uh, started with the 1998 UVA game, right. which was the last game of the year. And then, you know, Frank, Frank teased that Michael Vick was something special and things just kind of took off. Right. In we were expected to be good. Corso picked us to play for the national title game yeah. in August. So yeah. there was a lot of hype going into that yeah. season. Yeah. And, and, and you ended the season by beating Alabama thirty-eight to seven in the bowl game in ninety-eight. It, it is it's it's really yeah, every, something to think. Everything about. lined up. What if Michael Vick had gone to Syracuse or gone to East Carolina? Um, it's really where would where would Virginia Tech athletics be? Would they be in the ACC? You know, yeah. and again, these, the these are I rhetorical that, questions. I, the reason I bring that up is again because it's fun to think about. Like, if it wasn't, it, I think that shows his impact, right? The, the yeah. questions that we're asking thank, about that. Thank you, Jim Cavanaugh, yeah. for recruiting. So, real quick, <laughs> yeah. I'll be. If we had to do, we're not going to do an all sports Mount Rushmore, but if we had to do an all sports Mount Rushmore, I'm just going to ask you this: Would Michael Vick be the number one any sports? Would you uh, put him uh, one? for the impact on the university? Uh, I don't yeah, think he's. I don't think he's quite like as dominant a player as like Angela Tencher. Right, but for the impact on yeah. the overall athletic department, because and Angela, that, that Angela Titcher came to Virginia Tech, if not for Michael Vick, you know who knows if Virginia Tech's in the ACC. In which case, who knows if Angela Titcher comes to Virginia Tech? I mean, who who knows? We'll yeah. talk about Angela Titcher in a little bit, but that, <laughs> so sure Michael will. Vick uh, is also number one for me. I assume Bruce Smith is number two on the Virginia Tech football Mount Rushmore for both Will and Chris. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I've got some uh, accolades here on Bruce Smith. I'll just bring up uh, known as the the sack man, according to his Wikipedia page at Virginia Tech. Finished his college career in 1984. Um, had a total of 71 tackles behind the line of scrimmage for totaling 504 yards, 
46 career sacks, including an NCAA leading 22 during his junior season, first team All-American, and the 1984 was given the Outland Trophy, given the nation's top lineman, and a consensus selection to the All-America team. And this this was all essentially done in three seasons. He played some as, as a freshman, redshirt freshman, a little bit, but he racked up those stats. I think he had... Um, I know he had 16 sacks one year and 22 another. I think well, it was 16 his junior year and, and 22. And remember, these season. are 11 game seasons. And, with, and stats for bowl games didn't count. And bowl count games back. didn't count. Right. And um, I think, did, how many bowl games did Tech play in anyway during those three years? Maybe like uh, one or He two? played in the Independence Bowl. Uh, so what and, about. And I believe that was it. Was that the Firewood Bowl? <laughs> no. The, uh, yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, you know, not to drill down too far into that, but. That was a, a, some minor NCAA violations that had been discovered, and one of the punishments was that if, yeah, I think that was like 1982 or 83, and one of the punishments that was this wasn't announced publicly was that if Virginia Tech went to a bowl game, Bruce Smith couldn't play in the bowl game. Mm. Well, they did go to a bowl game in 1984, and the NCAA said you can't play, and Bruce got an injunction and played. And then we and, lost. And the NCAA the has been. Yeah. Well, they still run on the triple option in 1984? Yeah. I guess. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Will, because Bruce Smith played at Virginia Tech before the Frank Beamer era. And I was a student during that time. So what What was it like? I mean, football before Frank Beamer, for those that you know maybe are in college now or younger, I mean, what kind of impact did Bruce Smith have on the athletic department, Virginia Tech? Like, did he help put Virginia Tech on the map before, like lay the foundation before the Beamer era? Like, what kind of legacy does he leave behind? He, he didn't, like, spark the program like Michael Vick did. Um, Virginia Tech had very good defenses back then, but they also had lousy schedules. Uh, they'd play an 11-game season, and there were two to three games every year that mattered that were a real challenge, and those games were Virginia, West Virginia, and in some years, Clemson. And Virginia Tech would typically uh, typically lose to West Virginia, typically lose to Clemson. You know, So you'd wind up 9-2 and two or 8-3 and three or whatever. Yeah. So the program kind of was – I don't know if people who live through there agree or disagree, but it was kind of the same thing every year. You, you'd – show up to watch him slap Richmond and William and Mary and Duke around. And it wasn't that it wasn't fun, you know, but Virginia Tech was a basketball school back then. So to, so to give you one anecdotal example, uh, Duke had a quarterback, My I think my freshman year named Ben Bennett. Great quarterback. If you look him up, he threw for, I think, over 10,000 yards in his college career. He's a good quarterback. Not that Duke was a great team, but he was a good quarterback. So it was this buildup of Duke coming into Lane Stadium. And, and I think Bruce alone sacked Ben Bennett four times. Mm-hmm. Just terrified, you know, so that was fun, but it didn't make the program blow up or anything like that, like Michael Vick did for Frank Beamer later. Yeah, Tech was an independent back then, remember? No yeah. conference. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of fun to watch, and we Tech had a lot of good defensive players back then. Every time Bruce did something, you'd go, Bruce. And, As they still do now. Yes, I right, mean, every time he walks out there or whatever. Is there any idea what kind of recruits Bruce Smith was? Like, was he – Supposed to come in and be the player that he, he was, was. He was fairly highly recruited. Right. They, yeah. they, they didn't do star rankings or anything yeah. like that back then. But, like, if, like, the Newport News Daily Press did, here's our top ten prospects from the 757 this year, Bruce would have been up there at or near the very top. But, yeah, and this was back when, you know, Virginia high school football was, was very, very good, produced a lot of good players. He, he would have been a top five, a top five yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, so here is where it gets – fun because I think everybody had Michael Vick and Bruce Smith on their Virginia Tech football 
athletes Mount Rushmore. But I'm going to start with Chris Coleman here. Who would you put number three on your Mount Rushmore, Chris? Uh, it's, it's real, real tough between my number three and my number four. Okay. Uh, I put Tyrod number three. I think he was like our last megastar. Um, and I think, you know, he was ACC player of the year. He led Tech to the, their last ACC championship. But we won, gosh, three ACC championships when Tyrod was playing for the Hokies, either in a starter role or splitting time with Sean Glennon. Uh, just the, the accolades that he had. Um, Tyrod as a senior was dominant. Tyrod as a senior, I think, in a better offensive system would have been a Heisman Trophy candidate. He was that good in college. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's he's my number three. Um, and, and maybe the fact that he, he's a quarterback, you know, biases me a little bit. That put him ahead of my number four. But it was real, real close. But he's my number three. For me, uh, I went with Corey Moore um, over Tyrod. Uh, I mean, I, I love Tyrod. Don't get me wrong. But uh, so if you look at what I've listed so far, Michael Vick, Bruce Smith, and Corey Moore, Bruce Smith and Corey Moore had a, a national impact in terms of statistics and honors and awards that, that Tyrod never had. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce won the Outland Trophy. Corey won the Outland Trophy. Right. And they are guys who were first-team All-Americans. Tyrod was, was a good quarterback at Virginia Tech and won a lot of games, but he didn't he didn't sniff the Heisman. He didn't sniff well, first team All American. His coordinator wasn't Bud Foster; it was yeah. Brian Steinspring. You know, and and that's 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 a legit <laughs> uh, discussion point. I don't want to say <laughs> argument or whatever, but but it, but it's a legit discussion point. Um, so, but I just uh, I guess for me, you know, Corey Moore was just part of this era where you just tuned in and went wow and he was so uh like when he said something you listened yeah whether it was welcome to the terror dome or or or, or whatever or how's I mean, it he, going randy yeah how's it going randy <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> uh he was kind of a he was sort of a larger than life figure yeah i would say i have tyrod three and i have Corey moore four actually and i was thinking about it too and I, it might be a little bit of recency bias for me and like you said the fact that he's a quarterback but what, he won two ACC championships as a starter. Was ACC Player of the Year his senior year. Um, I don't know. I just when I think about Tyrod, for me growing, up, I mean, like you said, the last kind of mega star. Right. But I tell you, I was thinking about for four though, Will, and I was I was thinking like, there's so many different directions you could go, and but Corey Moore, like you said, like think about Teddy Roosevelt, right? Like he he was around for prominence of the United States and the economic. What do we talk about the Panama Canal? Like yeah. Corey Moore Panama was there. Panama Canal is a huge deal. Yeah. Think about it. To get the Pacific Ocean, you had to go all the way, the way around South America. It's anyways it's not Panama. to tie in history, but Corey Moore was there at the national championship game. Like yeah. you said, like he was he was that he was he two was time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Was Outland Trophy. Right. He won a couple of those national awards. He's my he, he, I think he won the Nagurski. Uh, yes, yeah, unanimous like first team All American. Right. Um, he's my number four. Yes. Um, he, well, yeah, so that. I mean, it was so so close between him and Tyrod. And honestly, I think there's there's a big drop off between. You know the Tyrod slash Corey Moore three four and everybody else. Yeah. Like I don't know who I would have number five. I've got a few guys in mind who I would have number five if we expanded the Mount Rushmore to a fifth face. Mm. But uh, I don't know. I think there's a there's a big big drop off after after that top four. Yeah. So one name to consider is Frank Loria, and and I don't say that because he died in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Loria has has a distinction 
if I read my charts correctly, he has a distinction no Virginia, other Virginia Tech football player has. He was a first-team AP All-American right. twice. Right. Bruce Smith and Corey Moore were first-team All-Americans, but only once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think Bruce Bruce was a second-team All-American as a junior, first-team as a senior, and, 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 and I think it's the same for Corey. And think about it. Frank Loria played in an era where freshmen weren't allowed to play. Right. So he only had three seasons on a varsity right. football at Virginia Tech. Yeah. And in two of those three seasons, he was a first-team AP All-American. At a mm. time when nobody knew or cared who Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech was, right, right. they were never on television. So that means that, that means he was really, really good as a sophomore, and that made everybody take notice and say, whoa, this guy is, is really good. Enough really AP All-American voters heard of what Frank Loria right. could do. I, I doubt any of them saw it. Uh, Frank Beamer had a way of describing him in his book, and when he talked about Loria, you know, played in the same secondary with him. And, you know, Loria wasn't all that big, but football players weren't all that big right. back then, or at least not like they are now. I forget exactly how he phrased it, but he basically deci- described Loria as a heat-sinking missile. Like, like he would hit you, and, like, receivers, like, they wouldn't have any breath in their lungs after they got hit by Frank Loria. Yeah. Was he a two-way player? No, nah, not that I know of. Um. Wow, that's a that's a darn good question. I know that he returned punts and oh, and or okay. kicks. I okay, think, okay. and there are some stories associated around that. My my Frank Loria knowledge kind of ends with what I can look up in tables. He had a cousin like. that used to post on TSL. Hmm. Bruno. Bruno was Frank Loria's cousin. Yeah, huh. he did get Virginia Tech to the nineteen sixty six Liberty Bowl. That's true. Yep. Now, first team AP All American '66, consensus All American in '67, named a top six All America first teams, started 31 games. Yeah, Laurie was known for being a physical hitter and for his quickness, and uh, had a sixth sense according to uh, his Wikipedia page. So, anyways, that's a good one. Well, the guy ended up being a defensive coordinator for Marshall at like the age of 23. So he was ahead of his time as far as coaching. And you know, somebody asked Frank Beamer one time. If Frank Loria were still alive, would you be on, or, or would he be on your staff? And Frank said, <laughs> if Frank Loria was still alive, I'd probably be on his I'd staff. I'd be on his staff. Yeah. yeah. One yeah. of Frank's better lines. Yeah, no, that's is. a good one. It is. No, and he's got his jersey hung in the uh, north end zone of uh, right. Lane Stadium. Yep. So that's, and by the way, the first person to chime in, Evan Norris in the chat, he said Frank Loria when uh, the podcast just got started. A couple other names I do want to shout out here that people are, uh, are suggesting uh, Cornell Brown. Uh, Jeff Holland gives his football Mount Rushmore. He says Bruce Smith, Michael Vick, Corey Moore, and Cornell Brown. Cornell would four. be. Cornell's a good pick. Cornell's close, yeah. Yeah, um, close. And Cornell was a four-year guy. I mean, yeah, he, right, right. He was a he, four-year he, he had an impact from the very beginning. Right, right. Uh, Eric Johnson uh, writes Bruce Smith, Michael Vick, Jim Pine, and Frank Loria. Jim Pine was a first-team All-American in 1990. And again, uh, like a th- I think a four-year starter. Yeah. And then uh, Derek Moss chimes in, Andre Davis. And it's funny because I asked my dad, who's a lifelong Hokie, who his top four would be. He actually mentioned Andre Davis. And so I'm curious. He's what, the greatest tech receiver of all time. You know, Andre, Andre Davis is actually in the Tech Hall of Fame for football and track. I, I, hmm. I looked up their list of Tech Hall of Famers today, and he's listed football and track. And wow. Uh, so he's one of the greatest athletes in tech history. The problem with Andre is – I mean, he he was dominant in 1999, but that was an era where your top receiver caught 30 passes. I mean, if that guy played for Virginia Tech today, I mean, he would catch 70 passes. 70 passes, yeah. Oh, my gosh. An average, you know, same 20, 25 <laughs> yards a catch. 
All right, let's transition from that was fun, by the way. So Virginia, that was our Virginia Tech football athletes. And by the way, if you're listening and you're wondering where is Frank Beamer on this, a reminder again, athletes we're yeah. doing right now. So, so in in doing my research, this is a little nugget that is neither here nor there. But from 1995 to 2011, which is 1995 to 2011, 17 seasons, Tech had 34 All Americans, and this is from HokieSports.com. It's how they list them. And Virginia Tech will list someone as an All-American if they made first, second, or honorable mention. And they have four or five or six organizations, AP, UPI, Football Writers Association of America, American Football Coaches Association, and then maybe one or two others. So they they do define it, and that's how you wind up on their All-Americans page. So looking at that page from 1995 to 2011, which was 17 seasons – and that was when Virginia Tech won all of their seven conference championships was during that 17-season run. Uh, 34 All-Americans, so that's two per season, and 15 first-teamers by this criteria. 2012 to 2020, nine seasons, so about half as many. Three All-Americans, so .3 per season. Mm-hmm. And no first teamers. And who were those three? I was about to say. Did you uh, list those? Kendall Fuller, maybe. Kendall Fuller. Farley. Uh, one of the, uh, Edmonds Tremaine, I think, in okay. 2017. Mm-hmm. I do not think it was Farley. No kidding. But uh, so we'd have to look it up. I hey, Pro Football Focus did a uh, Hall of Fame. J. I think, Ron Hosley, I think, was he was. Yeah, but well, he was 2012, I think, right? And not, it, he, well, was, he was done before his last year was 2011. By the way, okay. was, I love J. Ron Hosley. He was such a fun player to watch. He was a good, really so. good player. Yeah. But I talked to some younger Hokies, by the way, who, again, don't know the full history, but a couple of names that came up that I I don't know if this Hall of Fame worthy or Mount Rushmore worthy, but uh, Macho Harris, Brandon Flowers. Brandon Flowers, Cam to me, Chancellor. Is actually, Flowers would be like in my top seven ish. I mean, he was when, a when dominant you, football When player. you look at the All-America listings, the string of All-America teams he made is long. Oh, yeah. 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 Dominant player. And he had a great NFL career, too, oh, yeah. correct, with yeah. the Chargers. He's the probably, Chiefs. like, the most, like, natural cornerback Virginia Tech's ever had. Just his instincts were incredible. Right. Yeah, not not, a, not nearly the phenomenal athlete that a guy like D'Angelo Hall right. was. Yeah. But, but just straight instincts just great football and players. Yeah. All right, so that was fun. Any other thoughts here on football before we transition? I don't think so. All right, so. let's go to our second tech sideline, Mount Rushmore. This is a men's basketball athlete's Mount Rushmore. And I'm excited for this because I, I think this could go in, I mean, in a little bit of different ways. But uh, let's go ahead and start with Chris Coleman's first men's basketball player on the Mount Rushmore. Who is it? I, would, I put Dell number one, Dell Curry. Uh, great college career. Um best shooter in the country first time my goodness the number of points he could have scored if they had a three-point line back then um so yeah i I think when you ask your average virginia tech fan name the first virginia tech basketball player that pops into your head i mean at least if you're a certain age i think your average fan would say del curry yeah so to me del's number one so uh uh, on the all-time scoring list bimbo cole's 2484 Del Curry, 2,389. And so. Dell's number one, though, with a three-point line. Yeah, he's about 100 points behind Bimbo, and you got to figure. <laughs> he certainly made 100. Th- th- yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. What, what was the line, Dell from the, the, the gobbler? The turkey. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a little nugget for you. and Now, I'll save that for further down the list. Uh, but, yeah, Del Curry is, is my first. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because, well, 
he uh, so so Bimbo is number one in scoring, and I think number two. Let me see, number two or number three in assists. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. Bimbo's yeah first in scoring and second in assists. That's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But Virginia Tech didn't win a lot of basketball. That games. I know, and that's that's. Are we going to go to number two now? What? Yeah, so we're all well. Going so, Curry, so right? I do no. want to do the Dell Dell thing. Okay. Unfortunately, I didn't write it down. Dell is number two in scoring, and and Dell is up there in steals. A lot of people don't know that mm. Dell was mm. could was a. I'm not going to say Dell was a good defensive player, but he certainly had an instinct certainly for stealing the balls. Steals. Yeah, and Dell was coached by Charlie Moore. Charlie yeah. Moore. Okay, yeah. so we all have Dell Curry at number one. I think number. I think we're all going to have the same names, but I'm curious of what order we're going at. We'll see. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and name mine first for number two. Okay. I'll, I'm putting J-Rob ahead of Bimbo Coles at number two. All mm-hmm. right. And I know statistically, I think you got to, I'm going to think about national relevancy when I put him at number two mm-hmm. in the three state NCAA tournaments. And I think when we think about the Buzz Williams era, I think J-Rob is the face of that era, I think. J-Rob is on my list. Okay. But he's not my number two. He's not your number two. He's okay. not and again, that number, might be you know, Right. But, and, I thought about putting him, you know, a spot or two higher, but like Bimpo Cole's like, yeah, his teams were bad. That was bad basketball. Uh, it actually amazes me that he's number two in assists in his career because those teams were, were not good. Um, yeah, I'm but, but, but I'm not going to hold it against Bimbo that those teams were bad. It's not his fault that, you know, they weren't well coached, right? Right. So I, I can't hold that against him. Uh, he was Virginia Tech's first Olympian. Yes, um, and I think that elevates. That's one of the things that elevates. That, yeah, him yeah above I think J-Rob. that that's what. Yes, to me, that's why I, I still have Bimbo number two. Yeah. yeah. So for me, uh, he was just so much fun to watch play. Um, so I, I, I had my senior year in college was Bimbo's freshman year. Um, now, what a lot of people may not know is that Del Curry and Bimbo Coles did not overlap. They were one right after the other. My junior year was Dell's last year. My senior year was Bimbo's first year. And I remember watching Bimbo as a freshman. He was a, he was a decent basketball player. He would occasionally drive to the basket, and you'd go like, whoa, I can't believe he got that one off. And then it was his sophomore year where he took off, and he scored 51 points in a game and, and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I drove up to Lewisburg years ago and, and did a long interview with Bimbo. And – Yes, Bimbo played for some bad teams, but one of the things he also benefited from, I remember him telling me, after his freshman year, all the football players were trying to get him to play football. He was a phenomenal defensive back. A lot of people will tell you, like Bourbon Street, who posts on our board, he played against Bimbo Coles, I think, in, in fo- football and and basketball, yeah. and uh, claims uh, Bimbo was was better a better football player in high school than he was basketball player. And and he was a phenomenal all around athlete. He's also a really good baseball player. And then I played against him in softball and got to watch him play softball. The guy had a Did you get a hit off him in softball? No, that was Del? off Dell. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> who, a game-winning hit off Who of was Del a great Curry. baseball pitcher at Virginia Tech? He was a very, he very, was good, a very good baseball yeah. pitcher. Yeah. Oh, he got drafted by the Orioles. He, he played he, baseball at yeah. Virginia Tech? His senior year, he went like 8-1. Wow. and one I know, it was crazy. When he was like 26 or 7 years old, he played in this random charity minor league game. Like, he played – like the Canapolis Intimidators, who were like a single-A South Atlantic League, and Del Curry started a game for him and went like three or four innings and gave up one run. And he hadn't played baseball in years. Yeah, so he was very talented He was player. either 8-0 and oh or 8-1. and one, the, Oh, no, the, I, the, the, the one loss was like his own throwing era or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I never knew that. I'm your sorry. Trivia. So anyway, we've gone down the rabbit hole. Yes. Let me, let me, <laughs> Let's let go me, back to uh, Bimbo Let me try Coles. to get back out. Uh, 
Yeah, so Bimbo was a phenomenal all-around athlete. But, okay, the story he told me was, so at the end of his freshman year, the football players were trying to get him to come out and play football. And he went in to talk to Frankie Allen because Frankie was the interim coach at the time. Or trying to remember the timing of everything, but, but what it wound up being was Frankie said, he basically, and Bimbo told me this, Frankie basically said, please stay on the basketball team if you play basketball instead of football you can do whatever you want i'll give you the ball you can do whatever you want <laughs> and bimbo's like well okay i'll stay <laughs> so he had the green light kind of steph curry at davidson style right whatever you, you green want light, to do Eric green style is yes. a better yeah. comparison i'm for, not going to yeah. question anything you do here's the ball right right you know and, and well with no structure that's part of what made Frankie out. No, 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 right. Steph Curry had structure at Davidson. Yeah. Bimbo Coles didn't have structure. Eric Green didn't have structure. It was just, <laughs> you're really the only guy who's capable of really being good at this level. So but, just but, do whatever but he was, you want. He was just phenomenally fun to watch. And his name was Bimbo. And, and, he, <laughs> and he wound up going and, and, and being an Olympian. I remember how excited Hokie Nation was at, at that point in time. And um, so that's why he's my number two. There you go. So Dell. And uh, and Bimbo off the board. I have Bimbo at three. So Chris Coleman, let's go to you. Who do you have at number three? It's real, real Rushmore. close. Uh, and actually, I, I didn't write these down in any particular order. But I, I think my third, just based on how I think the fan base w- w- would view it, is probably Alan Bristow. He won the NIT, or he was the face of that team that won the NIT in what 1973. 1973. And the NIT doesn't mean per jack these days but it meant a lot back then because back then you know not not that many teams you had to win your conference to make the ncaa tournament right so yes you know, so so think about these days like whoever finishes second place in the acc would be in the nit yeah, yeah. right right yeah. if it was still a 16 team field or, or whatever so it was a huge huge deal to win the nit back then because you were facing a top 20 team you, you know uh you had to be really really good to win that tournament so uh, he was a great, great player for Tech. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that accomplishment will always resonate with with, uh, with old school Tech fans. Uh, yeah. so now, there, I, I also think you know, that there's a few people watching this podcast who probably never heard of Alan Bristow. But, so, but he, was actually, he was actually the longtime head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Del Curry was, was his player. He coached Del Curry with, with the and, Charlotte and Hornets. And Alan later became an executive in, right. in wow. the NBA. He didn't yep. just coach and quit. Yep. So re- really, really good bat- basketball guy. So he, number three. Will, who you got number three? So, here's, so I've got Alan Bristow, number three. Um, Bimbo scoring 51 points is not the single-game record. Bristow holds a single-game single record no with kidding. 52 points. Wow. Who's it against? Any idea? I, I don't know. And didn't uh, did Bimbo do it in three overtimes? Was I think it was three? double overtime. Double overtime against yeah. Southern Miss. Against right? Southern Miss, yeah. yeah. And and the story I always tell is when Wally Lancaster fouled out, he had thirty nine points and Bimbo had thirty eight. Oh wow. And Bimbo scored thirteen more to, to get up to, to fifty one. So it, it, Alan Bristow is kind of a mixed bag. It's interesting. All the stuff Chris said is true. Um, the list of Virginia Tech All-Americans in basketball is very short and very small. <laughs> and Alan Bristow is not on it. Right. Really? But here's a convincing argument. He only played three years. And he scored 1,804 points. That's a lot of points. 600 points a year at a time when fewer games were being played. Mm-hmm. 600 points a year. If he played four years and scored 600 points a year, he'd be the number two scorer in Virginia Tech basketball history. Right. 
Wow. So his, if you look at, and I'm holding the top 10 list of scores, he's the only one in the top 10 who didn't play four years. <laughs> right? So interesting stuff when you really start looking it's at It's funny that they print out Visayo's full name. And and Angel, Daniel Visayo. Yeah, so the top 10 is Bimbo, Dell, Malcolm Delaney, Dale Solomon, who also wow. deserves consideration, Perry Young. A.D. Visayo. A.D. Visayo is the number six scorer Dude, all time. Dude, that guy was good. He was yeah. good. <laughs> and Alan Bristow, Zabian Dowdell, Bob Ayersman, and uh, Eric Green. Hmm. Ayers, Ayersman played in the late 50s and early 60s. Mm-hmm. Now, this is odd. He's listed as playing four years, and I thought freshmen didn't play back then. Maybe there was. Maybe a, they did. Maybe there didn't. was two rule changes. Maybe they yeah. could, then they couldn't, and I don't know. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So anyway, yeah, uh, Bristow third for me as well. All right, and then uh, number four, J. Rob. Um, just the the face of his entire era. You know, he's not as good as Nikhil Alexander, but he was here. Nikhil Alexander Walker, excuse me, but he was here for four years, and was three NCAA tournaments, which no other Virginia Tech team. You know, Tech has never gone to three consecutive NCAA tournaments before. Um, and the one constant in that entire era is Justin Robinson. Uh, like, there's, you can count on one hand the number of Virginia Tech players who have played in three NCAA tournaments in their career. <laughs> you could probably count on two hands the, the, the number of Virginia Tech players who, for their four years, won 20-plus games in each, each of those four yeah. years. He's the all-time leader in assists. And he would have blown it away if he hadn't been hurt and missed the the, the end of his senior season. This is a guy who, just as he was peaking, had to he sit got, down with Oh, my injury. God. You know, his best game of his career was that Syracuse game, and then the next game he got hurt. Was it nine threes he made against Syracuse? Something like that. Like, it was ridiculous. And a bunch of assists. I mean, just incredible. Didn't he have a uh, – In a pink jersey. I was about, I was about to say, they were wearing the pink <laughs> jersey. The pink jersey game. Yeah, yeah, the 2 zone. Beheim did I'll, not know what to do that I'll day. I will never forget that game. Uh, and he essentially didn't play again. Right, you know, right. He, he Until did. Until the NCAA tournament. But, you um, know, wasn't the same. Yeah, and so, so to me, like, like it's for everything he represents. Uh, it's not only his; he was a talented, talented player, but it's also the accomplishments of the team yes. to a certain extent. Um, he he's number four on, on my list. Yeah, and and, and yes, uh, oh gosh, who did you mention? Uh, Tech won the Metro. Del Solomon. Del Solomon. He's. Yeah. Real, 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 real close for me. That, that 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 he would be my number five. Yeah, he's he's one of only four players to uh, have over two thousand points for Virginia Tech. Dale Solomon is, and and was also a good rebounder. Just a, I wish I'd seen him play. And and, the, and that's the only time Tech ever won a conference tournament was that. That's that, right, nineteen seventy nine. I think. Yeah. Wow, he was a freshman that year. Well, um, you're number four. I, I'll, I'll go with J. Rob. I I got in in uh, um. In preparing, I got hung up between Malcolm Delaney and Ace Custis, uh, but J. Rob deserves it more. More, uh, I don't like the way this sounds. Sorry, Ace. More than those guys do. <laughs> uh, you know, Malcolm Delaney was extremely productive. He is. Uh, let me see. I've got it written down. Third all-time in scoring and third in assists. Mm-hmm. So he had a very productive career. But um, Virginia Tech didn't even go to the NCAA tournament when Malcolm Delaney was here. Right. And, and those were very talented teams. It's not like that was, uh, you know, Bimbo, Bimbo Coles and 
nobody on the team plays defense. You, you hand would, that team yeah. to Buzz Williams or Mike Young, and, oh, and you're going sweet to 16. multiple, uh, multiple yeah. NCAA tournaments. Right, right. And, Tremendous and the, amount the, the chemistry on those on those teams weren't, weren't wasn't good behind the scenes, from, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, it's – I mean, Delaney's very close to being on mine, too. And – but but I just think the era that that J Rob represents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and, and, and you maybe, talk you talk me into it right here, so I agree. May, and maybe two is a little high for me, but I was just thinking about this, and this is and I know that Bimbo and Bristow they can't control this, but I mean J Rob was getting this done against some of the most elite talent in the country. Yeah, and, in the and ACC, it's it's and, tough. Like I I can't be unbiased because I've met Justin Robinson multiple times. Yeah. Um. What what one of the a month before COVID, like the last time I went out before COVID hit, I went to PKs and I talked to Justin Robinson at PKs that night. He was in town for the Tech Pit game, yeah. right? Uh, and I've sat next to him in the locker room or, or whatever multiple times after games and talked to him, talked to him one on one. And that's not something I've had a chance to do with anybody else. So I, it's it's I am biased when it comes to that. Maybe maybe I'd have a different feeling if I had been able to talk to Del Curry, Bimbo Coles out. Well, they're on my list, but you know, anybody else who's just off the list. Uh, but yeah, there yeah. it is. He's on, he's on my list. And yeah. like I said, retire the Jersey. Yeah. Um, and real, hey, one hey, hey, and here's the thing. If he, if you're on the Mount Rushmore, should your Jersey not be retired? <laughs> the tech sideline, the tech sideline Mount Rushmore, which is more valid than anything else. Of course. Right. No. Um, and I will say, Hey, one name to keep in mind too. How about, how about Eric green? I mean, ACC Player of the Year, averaged 25 points per game his senior year. I'm not saying he deserves it, but I'm saying I think he deserves uh, honorable mention. Great, great recognition. player. Played you know, a little bit in the NBA, had a long career overseas. Not, still but, is playing. Right. And, uh, yeah, he led the nation in scoring yeah. that year, didn't he? By uh, the way. First team all ACC. Was he ACC Player of the Year? He was. He was. Can uh, you name uh, the only other player, and I'll say that this guy was a, a phenom, there's only one other player to win ACC Player of the Year in men's basketball that had a losing record. In the ACC, it's Eric Green, and you can name this. Can you name this other superstar that played in the '80s at Maryland? No, Len Bias. Len Bias. What? Len Dang, Bias and Eric Green, record? the only two players of the year who competed for teams with losing ACC records. They're losing ACC records. So okay. they probably went like six and eight. The ACC was really they were loaded. Good. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, uh, so yeah, Maryland probably would have been like 30th in the RPI that year or something based on strength of schedule. Now, Eric Green's interesting. Now, here's a trivia for you. Seth Greenberg's last season at Virginia Tech. Uh, Eric Green was in the starting lineup. 60% of that team, which tied for last in the ACC, went on to play in the in the NBA. 60% of the starting lineup. Eric Green, Jarrell Eddy, Dorian Finney-Smith. Wow. We finished last Chemistry, man. All right, let's let's check out the. So, uh, so wait a minute. Let's let, let's do. Let's talk about basketball all Americans. Oh at, yeah. at Virginia Tech. So Malcolm, stick the camera on me. And this is the short list of basketball all Americans. There's Del Curry has one, much three, four, five, six, seven. There's there's like ten guys on this list. Del, and Del Curry made a lot more lists than everybody else. So so you see, these guys were all mostly honorable mention on one team, and then Dell's got a long string of teams that he that he was on. So the only All Americans that weren't all uh, honorable mention were Dell and Eric Green. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I think I think you're reading that correctly. Um, uh, wow. So Chris Smith in 1960 was honorable mention AP. Bucky Keller in 62 was honorable mention. It doesn't say which team. 
Howard Pardue, who was a pretty darn good player in his mm-hmm. time, 1962 honorable mention, AP and UPI. Chris Smith's another guy who should be very, very close to, to making this list. He was a dominant yeah, player for his he, era. He really was. And, 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 again, we'll talk about the recency bias to a certain extent, but, I mean, like, what years did Chris Smith play? Well, he was an honorable mention All-American in 1960. Long time ago. Right. See, I was born in 1983. <laughs> right. <And there> is <laughs> My no- dad was barely alive when, when yeah. he played. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there yeah. is definitely a recency bias here, and it's, it's really hard to compare across eras and, and things like that. And, and Dell was uh, Virginia Tech's only first-team All-American, but that was only by the basketball times. Hmm. He was a- second-team on AP – Basketball writers, UPI, and HL. I don't know what HL is. Um, Bimbo was just honorable mention, mm. as good as he was. Bryant Matthews, Zabian Daldell, Malcolm Delaney, two years was honorable mention AP. And Eric Green was third team uh, AP. If, if Matthews had been well coached all four years instead of just one year, then, I then he, that guy would have put up some numbers. I mean, he did put up some numbers as a senior. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think if, if – Seth Greenberg got in here a couple years earlier than that guy would have had a really impressive career. So real quick, my list, Curry, J-Rob, Bimbo, Alan Bristow. Chris, Regers one through four again real quick. Uh, Dell, Bimbo, J-Rob, Alan Bristow. And Will, yours one through four? Curry, Bimbo, Bristow. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Bristow was number three for me. Yes. So, so Curry, Bimbo, Bristow. Than J. Rob. And mine's the same as his. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay, a couple other people in the comments. Um, Derek Moss says his Del Curry, Bimbo Coles, Malcolm Delaney, Zabian Dowdell. Um, and I be- uh, and then Eric says Ace Custis, Bimbo Coles, De- uh, Del Curry, Alan Bristow. This is yeah. four. So there you go. Appreciate everybody chiming in. We'll read those. And uh, we do have one more Mount Rushmore to get through. We're just over an hour into this very fun Episode 181 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, because it's fun. We can kind of go down tangents and kind of go wherever the conversation goes. Hope you're enjoying it just as much as we are. Let's do all other sports at Virginia Tech Mount Rushmore. Will Stewart, I'll lead off with you. Who's number one? We have already mentioned her name. It's Angela Tincher. It's a no-doubter, It's a no-doubter. The most, regardless of sport, probably the most dominant athlete ever it's either her or michael vick but i mean she was dominant yeah yeah and, and just to this day beloved you just mentioned the name angela tincher and everybody's like wow yeah um so angela let me let me get my glasses on here um one of my great regrets is that i never once saw her play I, uh, I, really? I we tailgated one time in lot four for the spring game and i stood behind the uh Stood up on some Burn. something, yeah, and and watched a game from center field. When yeah. I forget who they were. I think they were playing Florida State, and of course, you know, she was out there getting shelled the one time I watched her play. Yeah. I, I mean, so I'm bad luck. What can I say? Uh, so Angela's strikeout numbers are phenomenal. Her, her ERA is phenomenal. Her record, which I'm sorry I don't have it here, is good, but not as like if she'd pitched for one of the more storied programs in the country, she'd be Rachel Garcia territory, almost unbeatable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, Keely Rochard strikes out a lot of people. Yeah. But w- what was that? I mean, had Tincher's going to be like probably will probably still be like twice as many strikeouts as Keely yeah. Rochard. She has the third most strikeouts in NCAA softball history. Right. So I did look that up, and I've actually got the printout here. So Monica Abbott of Tennessee is first mm-hmm. with two thousand four hundred and forty. Uh, Kat Osterman, 
of Texas is second with 2,265. I remember Cat Austrian. Tincher is third with 2,149. Now, uh, they're the only three pitchers to strike out 2,000 or more batters in their careers. Mm -hmm. And what I find interesting is that uh, their careers, these three women, their careers spanned in 2002 to 2008. In 2005 and 2006, all three of them were pitching in the NCAA. Wow, that's right. So yeah. it almost makes you wonder, not to diminish any of their accomplishments, was there something going on in softball at the time that caused kind of a, a dearth of hitting? Well, I, I don't think the sport was as popular back then, so there probably weren't as many good hitters. Maybe. So yeah. my, my next-door neighbor uh, played – uh, she's mid late twenty. Let's see, she's three years older than Malcolm, so she's about twenty five years old. She played high school softball at Radford, and then played college softball for a year at Radford University. So we're having this. She was over at my house last night. We're having this discussion, and I got I, I mentioned to her that if you look at the softball career strikeout list, the top ten to twenty, there's almost nobody on it post twenty ten. Right. Mm -hmm. And my neighbor said, "Oh, that's when they moved the mound back." And I thought, uh, really? So I went and did some research on it. Um, in college, they moved the mound from 40 feet to 43 feet way back in 1988. In high school ball, they moved it back in 2011. So that's what my neighbor's remembering because she was a high school softball player when they moved the mound oh. back in high school. It had already been moved back. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. No, but, you're right. But I, I, re I read a few articles, and it, it was way back in 88 because there were articles written back then, like you're going to see more hitting now because they moved the mound back three feet, and it gave like two hundred to uh, two tenths of a second or something like that. Well, I mean, so think about it. Hitter. So, so before 2011, if you're a high school player and you're playing against a really, really good pitcher, like you're, you're not necessarily getting the same practice as college players were because you got three fewer feet. Yes, you, you know, so it's not the same. So. You're getting better hitting practice post-2011 because the mound gets moved back, right? So, and the article I read, part of the uh, big reason they moved it back in high school was that the dominant pitchers in high school, since they were three feet closer, you couldn't hit them. And the story was about a girl that had thrown a 31-inning game and it only get, had, and had, had only given up one run and lost because the other pitcher pitched a complete game shutout, mm -hmm. 31 innings. So they're like, let's be time to move the mound back. So I wonder if they'll ever do that in Major League Baseball with as fast as guys throw these days. And I'm I'm, ta I'm not talking so much about you know the number of strikeouts. There's a lot of home runs these days, obviously, but that's because the ball is juiced. Uh, but like one day, like somebody's going to hit somebody in the head and they might die because these guys, some of these guys, throw 102 miles an hour these days, right? Mm. And like, so what's the point where the human eye can actually you know, your brain sends a message to your body, oh, get out of the way. Like, how fast do you have? Like, and at one point, will a major league pitcher exceed that speed? Right. Right? Um, it, it reminds me of, of the NASCAR discussion where they were having about a death a year until Dale Earnhardt died. And then they said, okay, we, we need to stop messing around and, and make things more safer and require the Hans device and all this other stuff. And I think since Dale Earnhardt died, pretty much no one has died in the 20 years since then. Not in NASCAR, I don't think. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it wasn't just, you know, the Hans device. He wore an open face helmet. Right, all that and, stuff. All that. He was old yeah. school as could yeah. be. And now they won't let you be old school. You know? so, so things, the, to, the, the larger point is things happen that trigger change. Right, right. Yeah.
So anyway, That's we got off way off hey, way off yeah. track there. So yes, Tensher's number one. Let me give you some numbers real quick too. I mean, she's two time All American, and I think the greatest achievement too. I mean, I just don't think some people truly understand a college team no hitting the greatest softball team on the planet yeah. in Team USA who had won some ridiculous like 150 plus consecutive games outside of the Olympics because right. they would do a lot of these uh, scrimmages exhibitions. I mean. And Angela Tinger should have been on that team. I mean, there, right. there's I don't know the full background, but I think that there was some politics involved that she didn't get on that yeah, team. Well, I mean, she well, goes out there and no hits them. That's, um, that's, that is, that's incredible. A college team no hits Team well, USA. Imagine the best college baseball pitcher. He probably plays for Vanderbilt or something. Kumar Rocker. Yeah, right, yeah. Imagine uh, Kumar Rocker uh, shutting out the a Major League All-Star team. Honestly. Imagine him going out complete there. Complete game shutout. Com- complete game shutout. No hitter. Uh, or was it a no hitter? Yeah, it was. I'm sorry, Tinsher. Yeah, 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 it was a no hitter. No, no yeah. Imagine Rocker pitching a no hitter against Tatis, Ronald Acuna, all those guys. That that's that's what it is, man. What that's yeah. what she did. And it, 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 that team was 18 too. That in the late 2000s, that was before the Olympics got uh, the the sport got taken away from the Olympics. I mean, that team was Jessica Mendoza was on that team. Cat, I believe, Cat Osterman was on that team. Like yeah. it was a Jessica Mendoza who calls Sunday Night Baseball with right. Rod. Right. Yeah. 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 Was Jenny so. Finch on that team? Yes, believe yeah. so. Uh, it's just I think I think right before they played Tech, they had beaten Villanova twenty-two to nothing or something yes. like that. It was a, they yeah. played your hundred percent. It was and a double header. Stories for that Scott Thomas saying, "Yeah, I was going to rotate everybody. I was going to play everybody, and then we kept winning, and I just left Angela in." And yeah, <laughs> sometimes plans change. And my favorite thing was that game was broadcast by ESPN, but it was tape delayed. It didn't yeah. air for a couple of weeks after the fact. Right. I mean, could you imagine if Twitter was a thing for that? I mean, yeah. anyways, yeah. anyway, so Angela Tinsher, number one. Um, well, let me start with you at number two on your athletes outside of Virginia Tech football, men's basketball, Mount Rushmore. Who's number two behind Tinsher? Uh, I would put Queen Harrison, number two. Uh, track and field, uh, six, primarily, pretty much only a hurdler, I think. She won national championships. There was one year where, if I remember correctly, I didn't quite write all this down. I think she had an indoor national championship in the 60-meter hurdles. Um, and then outdoor that year in 400-meter hurdles and 100-meter hurdles. So she won national, multiple national championships, individual, and uh, ran in the Olympics. Mm. Um, yeah, and, uh, that's extremely – she's also my number two. Yeah. Um, so, I have her yeah. two as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, number three, Chris. Oh, kind of off the wall here. I've got uh, Spirit on Julian, number three. He is Virginia Tech's first national champion in, in any, any sport. In any sport. Hmm. Uh, what was a hammer throw? You ever hear of him, uh, Evan? I have not. Now, right, so the the common denominator with all these other sports athletes is they all played for Virginia Tech after Virginia Tech joined the ACC. Uh, so, like, Texas Olympic sports has gone from, you know, being like 100th in the Director's Cup to I don't know where they would have finished this year, but I think they were like 99th or something in 1999. Thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. – now the eight ten years were they, tough. they they might have set their own record that they might have broken their record this year for highest they might have finished you know top thirty top twenty five something like that this year yeah. uh so the ACC's made made a big has made a big difference but yeah Spirit on Julian from Greece uh, I've got him number three uh you know maybe for a whole career overall accomplishments maybe shouldn't be on here but I I think it's something to be said that he won Virginia Tech's first, first national championship yeah. and what a big deal that was at the time when he did it I put him at my number 4 okay for for the same reason he he has the most national championships 
of, of any individual. Does four. he? Huh. Okay. Uh, four national championships in weight throw and hammer throw. Oh, yeah. And I don't know much about the the throwing events to know what's different there. Um, I put Makai Lewis number three. Um, I've got a recency three as well, bias. Will. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll call it recency bias. And Makai also benefits from uh, we were able to see what he did. Um, right. I remember watching it live when he won it. Yeah. I remember watching it live at champs when he won the national championship. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and, and it wasn't just that national championship matchup. It, it was the, the two he'd won before that. Yeah. He went, he went through number one, he number, was the two, number, and number eight four. Seed. He was the eight seed and he beat, if I remember correctly, not in this order, number four, number two, and number one. I actually think that was the order actually, or no, it was, it four, I think it was four, two, one. Yeah. Yeah. Or four, one, two, something like he, that. He, he ran the gauntlet. Yeah, and, and and as a freshman, and so like I said, some of that is recency bias, and some of it is just the visibility, and like when Spirit on Julian won a national won his national championships, people noticed, but it wasn't on TV, and right. people didn't freak out in bars because they were watching it on ESPN, right? And yeah, it's, it was just different. Uh, it was it created a huge amount of traffic on the website and on Twitter. What Makai did, yeah. yeah. Um, so that that's why I, I bumped him up to third over Spirit on. And you know what's really neat too is that Makai's career is not done, and he still has what three uh, years of eligibility left. Two he, years of eligibility. He, he could mean, potentially you know move up. Like he's not quite on my list. Yeah, he's maybe like fifth or sixth yeah. on my list, but he could certainly. He be wins another on national title. Yeah, yeah, he's on the list. So uh, yeah. one more nugget I want to get out there about him: if if you Google Virginia Tech national champions. You wind up in a page on Hokiesports.com that lists all the Hokies who have won national championships in their sport or event. Um, and so assuming that list is correct and complete, Makai Lewis is the only non-track and field athlete yeah. to win an mm. individual national championship. Yeah, I thought that, that was interesting. That sounds right, yeah. All right, so yeah, I had Makai at three as well. I'll start with number four here. I, I was peeking at your list. I think you might have – I have Patrick – Nyarko, Nyarko, is that how you say his name? Yes. We've got him at four because I mean, men's soccer's had a really great. Like, who's arguably the best player in men's soccer history? I would say it's him, right? I mean, yeah, it's Narco. Uh, I think he was seventh in, in the MLS draft. Yep. Virginia Tech made the the College Cup the Final Four back in two thousand seven, and they beat and North that was Carolina for the first time ever. Yeah, and he was the he was the star of that team. Yeah, and went on to a long career. He even capped for Ghana a couple times. So yep. he was an international player, um, big time talent. Uh, so yeah, he's number four on my list. I went with him over over Daniel Pereira because Pereira just like he number one pick in the draft. He's already starting for Austin. He was only here for two years though. Was only exactly, time. and the second year was COVID shortened. Right. So right. it was like we never felt the full impact of, of of recruiting him to Virginia Tech and everything like that. Whereas we did feel the full impact of Patrick Nyarka. I'm sorry, just Ja'Cory Patterson went through my mind. And, and even if Ja'Cory had accomplished enough to be on the Mount Rushmore, the fact that he transferred out. Right, and he's not doing it. Sorry. I'm not, sorry, yeah. I can't go there. Yeah, I mean, now if he and finished then, his career at Tech, he'd probably good chance he'd be on here. And that's part of the reason that I put Makai Lewis on my Mount Rushmore is people love him. They want yeah. to look at his face up there on Mount Rushmore. Like, oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I'm serious. I think Makai has the chance. I mean, it's going to be tough to overtake Tincher. But I think when it's, I think he has the chance. I think his ceiling is maybe even pushing number two on that Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I, I think he could potentially to, do that. Now, the thing about wrestling is, in wrestling, you can only win one national championship a year, right? Now, track and field, you can win 
Indoor and outdoor Indoor. and multiple events. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So the track does have a little bit of an advantage there. Queen won three national championships in just one year. Right. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. For those reasons. Right. Well, anyways, and who knows? I mean, maybe Seung's even number one, too. I mean, it's you're right. He is beloved. Do you think about Virginia Tech athletes right now that are just lo- – I mean, he's a household name. Everybody knows who Makai Lewis is, right? Right. So – and he's – again, he's – gosh, he's. I think he's my age, but he just finished his technical sophomore year of right. school and – Anyways, it's going to be really fun to watch his career play out. He's going to be a sixth-year senior um, one day. Mm-hmm. Jeff Holland has his uh, All Other Sports Hall of Fame. He's got Tincher, Makai Lewis, say his, aspire, say his name again? Spirit On. Spirit On is how we pronounce it. Uh, is three, and then Queen Harrison is his Mount Rushmore. Um, Rick French, Tincher's no-hitter against Team USA was epic. Yes, it was, no doubt. Um, um, let's see, and I think that is all, all sports. Eric Johnson, Makai Lewis. Oh, this is his all sports, all sports, like everything together. He's got Makai Lewis, Michael Vick, Bruce Smith, Del Curry on his everything. You put everything on one Mount Rushmore. Hmm. So, anyways, appreciate everybody chiming in. That's The fun thing is, is it's subjective and it's fun. Yeah, These, and the, and everyone the thing, we mentioned are all great. We, we could do this five years from now and maybe another tech athlete or two yeah. have knocked people off this. So, it's like if you rebuilt the real Mount Rushmore, like – you got to bump somebody off for FDR, right? Yeah, you got to bump off his, t- his cousin Teddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. true. And one question here before we wrap things up: uh, just your if you if you could put a a fifth head on any Hall of Fame of just athlete you love the most from Virginia Tech. I'm not saying they deserve to be on there, but just a a favorite. Like who would you put on there? Like for me, it would be Sam Rogers. I just love <laughs> Sam Rogers and everything he embodies. I'm not saying he, he deserves it, but that's like my picking with my heart pick. If I could, who would you go with? Jamon Gordon. It's not even okay. a question. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I do love me some Jamon, the wit and wisdom of Jamon Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> Is that he would go with too? I, I don't know. There, there, there's a number of people, but I, he mentions Jamon Gordon's name, and I, I was trying to think who, who are the athletes that I really love. Like, like people love Jimmy Caruth back in the day, you know, but Jimmy didn't really played four games in the NBA. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> You don't know who Jimmy Caruth is. I have no idea who it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was before my time. So Al- Alvaro so. Tor would not make it. Alvaro Tor would not be on the list. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, all right. Well, hey, I do want to wrap up the podcast with this. So, you know, the uh, Chris, help me with the name of the soccer tournament going on right now. Um, the the big, Euros? The Euros. Yeah. So, I'm watching yeah, the Euros it's yesterday. the 2020 Euros. Yeah, I know. It's got the, if you caught that, yeah. Because they were supposed to be last summer. I'm watching the 2020 Euros yesterday, (laughs) and uh, they're doing their in-studio. And there are a bunch of people I've never heard of before doing the in-studio work in between games. And sure enough, there's analyst Chris Coleman uh, on TV. Chris Coleman, the former Wells National. Yes. Uh, (laughs) He's on TV Oh, yeah, yeah. I was watching it when I was in Richmond over the weekend, my buddy's house. And, uh, yeah, Chris Coleman was breaking down the Wells-Switzerland game. And I used to – when he was the Wells National coach, and whenever they lost the game, I would get tweets from angry Welshmen. (laughs) (laughs) about his tactical setups and things like that during games you should respond Uh, i should you should totally uh, just you know mess around but anyways i was laughing so hard i was just like because he's talked about it before off the air chris before but if you're watching the euros i'm serious in studio chris coleman yep um I think you're. I think you're in better shape than that, Chris Coleman. I'm going to go ahead yeah. and say. I appreciate I, I mean, that. Yeah. So yeah. you know, apparently there's an up and coming golfer named Will Stewart. 
I got, I, got really? e- I got emails this weekend about how he didn't quite qualify for some tournament. <laughs> uh, all I have is there's apparently a, a, a Supreme Court justice in the 1700s named Charles Evan Hughes. And every any time <laughs> I Google my wasn't name, he was one award of the winner? first. Like, he was like the court, first. Yeah. He's actually kind of important. Maybe he'll be on a Supreme Court justice Mount Rushmore one day. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyways, well, that's an hour and a half of just fun content all great virginia tech athletes all very deserving of the recognition i'm pretty sure everyone we said is probably if not all in the virginia tech hall of fame they've got to be close to it and so anyways that was a ton of fun that's what the summer podcasts are all about uh if you're watching live right now on youtube we have 18 likes if you would please that is not nearly enough like and subscribe if you're watching archive please comment and however you're listening i think we're always shouting out the listeners but again uh whether you're on um Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher. Uh, I believe there's a way to like and, and subscribe and review. Please do all of that if you're listening. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to do that. All right, Chris, uh, TechSideline.com. Anything up on the website right now that you recommend for those watching or listening? Anything coming up this week to be on the lookout for? Uh, what did we write yesterday? Oh, yeah, we did our scouting report of the 2021 wide receivers yesterday, Brandon Patterson and I. Um Today, I'm going to write something about Colin LeBourne, who visited Blacksburg over the weekend, the former top 50 uh, running back recruit who committed to Florida State while driving the Lamborghini. Yeah, out. he drove the Lamborghini yeah, in. Yeah, and he visited Tech this weekend. He's on the market. Uh, so I'm going to have some an article and some thoughts about that whole thing. He's from Virginia Beach, right? He is. Do you remember what high school he went to? Yeah, it was the same one as... Uh, is the defensive tackle Crosby who bombed out at Tennessee? Right, because we've got a picture of him on our on our data on our database of uh, both of them at school wearing Virginia Tech gear. I remember that and they picture. That on I remember that picture. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Hmm. So yeah, we're gonna have some thoughts on that. There we go. Bishop Sullivan. Is that where they went? That that would have been my guess. Yeah. Uh, the coach there was Chris somebody. Chris I Scott. think. Yeah. yeah. Will, any uh, parting thoughts before we sign off? No, none whatsoever. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the content. It was fun researching, and yes, I actually did. Yeah, work, thanks did for work doing all the. Uh, I, I felt like I had good notes, but not. I mean, everything printed yeah, off. Much and better charts notes than me. And, yeah. So this was fun. Well, I look forward to our next podcast. And again, if you have a fun podcast idea that we could do this summer, anything you'd like to hear us talk about, please reach out to us on the message boards or on Twitter. We'd love to hear your ideas as we have more fun content coming your way over the summer. That'll wrap things up. Episode 181 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. A reminder to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Tech Sideline. You can be part of the Tech Sideline family today. Get a subscription at techsideline.com. For our managing editor to my left, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager across the way, Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 181 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Have a great week, Hokies, and we'll talk to you soon.